Hey, Stu. Stu. Hello. Yes. Oh, hi. Yes. Hi. Yes. Thank you. Oh, it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good broadcast. Sorry, I wasn't this is the way it starts. I wasn't listening to you. Holy mother! Here is today's podcast for Monday. A lot of great stuff on it. Like, Did you want like, me to expand? Like, like, well, we talked to a former Soviet spy. Yeah, example. that was great. That was How a pretty cool thing. about the fire thing? The fire thing was, was great as that well. Was probably not the way you should have reinforced it. Maybe you should have said, like, hey, everybody's... Yeah, that's right, Glenn. Everybody's talking about those fires at food processing plants. That Are was great. Or not? I just said it was great. Also, uh, we talked to Pat Gray. He was on as well, and it was a wonderful show. The show is we- much better than... Well, look... Duke talks very little in today's show. So. so it's great. Here it is. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Imagine that every state were free to choose whether to allow black people and white people to marry. Some states would permit such marriages. Others probably wouldn't. It seems unthinkable as a scenario in 2022. That's because in 1967, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled that barring international, uh, uh, barring interracial marriage, as 16 states still did, violates the 14th Amendment's guarantee of equal protection. Under the Constitution, the freedom to marry or not marry, a person or another race resides with the individual and cannot be infringed by the state, said the court. More than half a century on, this court case is considered one of the court's great rulings, and yet it was not universally admired at the time. Southern states complied only grudgingly. Alabama didn't repeal its ban on international marriage or interracial marriage until 20 uh, or the year 2000. That's the point of having a federal constitution, says the New York Times op-ed. It is supreme. The guarantees and rights in that document apply to all Americans equally, whether or not they live in the South or the North, no matter where they live. The court system and the Supreme Court in particular exist to protect those rights when state and local authorities refuse to. Leaving the matter to individual states and political process means that millions of Americans will be denied their fundamental rights. In this case, the right of a woman to decide what happens inside her own body. I mean, unless it's, you know, a vaccine. The draft opinion relies heavily on the lack of mention of abortion in the Constitution, therefore argues that the document cannot be the basis for the right to terminate a pregnancy. The Constitution also says nothing about here comes the fourth grader. The Constitution also says nothing about interracial marriage. But that didn't prevent the judges from finding in the 14th Amendment the guarantee that no couple may be treated differently because of the color of their skin. Because that, 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 that's specifically what the 14th Amendment is talking about. It's specifically talking about you can't take somebody and, and uh, that lives here in America and treat them differently because of the color of their skin, because they are different in some way. 
Now, if the left, I suppose, were arguing that men could have abortions as well, then maybe. But see, you this this is missing the point entirely. The point is, in the Constitution, it doesn't say you can kill babies that you claim are a lump of cells. There is nothing. There are no right. You know how many? Do you know how many things? The Constitution actually allows the federal government to do. How, what are the what are the number of things that the government is allowed to do? The federal government allowed to do according to the Constitution. What's that number? I don't know the number, but there's very few of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the 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 common defense. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the courts. Mm-hmm. You have the post office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you, you have seventeen things 17. in the Constitution. Only 17. How many millions are they doing right now? Oh, uh, now, and to point out, not only is uh, gay marriage and interracial marriage not not there, neither is marriage marriage like the, the old school. That's not it's a state issue. It's not a federal issue to this day. It's not a federal issue. And by the way, marriage marriage wasn't an issue at all. It, that that was a church and human right. to human thing. Shouldn't be a government issue at all. Should be. That that all started because of the progressives interracial marriage banned because of the progressives. Um, I would say that Planned Parenthood had a lot to do with that. I just want to point that out here. Yeah. And we should point out that, you know, the guy, the guy, I don't know if this president uh, freed the slaves. Remember this guy? He had a big hat. pretty tall. I don't know. Kind of a weird looking dude. Uh, got married. Yakov Shmirnov with the big I, furry hat. I don't hat. think it was Shmirnov. Okay, it was another right, one, another one of our past presidents. All right. Uh, he got married uh, uh, without a marriage license. That's weird. So yeah. did George Washington. Yeah. So did Isn't George Washington. Because that was not the way they thought about it at all. In short, constitutional rights are meaningless unless they apply across the entire country. Let me rephrase that for the New York Times and the fourth grader that wrote this. In short, constitutional rights are meaningless unless they apply to all people. All people. Now, our argument here in in the state would be that that clump of cells doesn't suddenly turn into a tumor. It always turns into a human being. You have a right to life. No one is allowed to take that life from you unless you've done something And you've been tried in a court of law. No innocent life is supposed to go away because the government says. So that's the extremist point of view. But the Constitution is there to say these are a few of the rights that come from God. So they come from, you don't have, you could say it's a higher power. You could say it's the stars. It's stardust, the things that make us, whatever it is, rights come from them. You know, the trees, the forests, I'm speaking right directly to the progressive left. The forest gives us our rights and no one can change them and no one can just issue rights. That's really important because that's what the government wants you to believe, that the government can give you rights. The Supreme Court is not taking away abortion rights. The Supreme Court is saying it's up to the people in the state 
The federal government can't do anything about it. Why? Because it's not their job. When it comes to something like this, it has to be decided by the people. This is the least dictatorial ruling I have seen in I don't know how long. All right. So what's happening? Well, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, very upset, very, very upset because the Supreme Court is overturning Roe versus Wade. And she said, I am not to have. I am not going to enforce any laws that say I have to break into a doctor's office and stop abortion. I just won't do it again. That's not what the Supreme Court said. It's your state laws. Well, Michigan has a law in the books from 1931. By the way, the height of the progressive era. (laughs) You really hung on that H in height (laughs) for some reason. That seemed to. (laughs) Uh, It criminalized abortion uh, with, she says, with no exceptions. I mean, except for the exception, uh, exception for rape and incest. But other than that, no exceptions. Okay. Well, if you don't like it, I think the Democrats control Michigan. I I think actually the mob does, but the Democrats control Michigan. You have a very pro-choice governor. Change the law. You can't go off as the attorney general. I know George Soros is telling you differently, but you can't just say as the chief law enforcement officer in your state, you can't say, nah, we're not going to pay attention to that law. What you do is you change your law. This is not a federal law. This is in your state. Ask the voters. It really, it really amazes me. How stupid people really are. She knows better than this. All these people, New York Times, they know better than that. That's a fourth. It is honestly a fourth grade opinion. It really is. It shows you have no understanding how this system works at all. But then again, why should people why should people be smart when they're spoon fed everything they're supposed to believe and then told you must believe it. CNN reported on Friday that the leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion, uh, probably a right wing political uh, leak, and it's going to lead to right wing political violence. What? What are they even talking about? CNN has learned the U.S. Capitol Police are bracing for large demonstrations that are being organized by far-right groups to protest abortion rights. What far-right groups? What? I mean, you always say far-right groups, which is wrong. Far-right groups are Nazis. Nazis love abortions. They were killing children in the millions. What What are you talking about? The Nazis are upset about killing children? They love it. The recently installed non-scalable fencing outside the court building was visible 
as CNN reported, several members of law enforcement have expressed concerns that people who are committed to committing act of violent extremism could use Roe versus Wade opinion for a justification of that. Yeah. Where did they say that it was going that it was going to be the the the, the vast right wing? Where are they saying that? CNN did say, I should caution, there are no specific credible threats. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I get it. Sure. Sure. Now, um, a lot of people have been saying these things about the, uh, the right um, while they put up the fence. I was shocked, shocked to see the progressive left calling to burn the Supreme Court and the country down. I don't know about anybody else. You know, those those pro-life conservatives were really upset. Oh, man, they had some heated arguments around the dinner table yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they did. Meanwhile, uh, the acts of violence or illegal activity uh, seems to be things like a Catholic church burned in Boulder, Colorado, uh, it was vandalized. I, saw, I, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say burned or or broken into or terrorist activity. This is vandalized. Okay. Vandalist. Uh, 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 Vandals. Vandals mm-hmm. did this. Now, did, was the vandalism mostly peaceful? It was mostly okay. peaceful, um, but it was mostly also anti-religious and uh, and it was um, you know pro-choice. So, In but it was pe- but a peaceful, peaceful sort of fire starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, bomb throwing, you know, uh, sort of oh, good. threatening mm-hmm. if abortion isn't safe, neither are you sort of way. Right. And that, you know, that that's a in a, in a peaceful sense. There was tranquility Amen. involved in a- those words. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. And they also uh, scribbled uh, on the side of a another uh, clinic um, the, the, in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, it was a, a pro-life uh, office. They 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 scribbled or actually very nice cursive handwriting. So, you know, that it was the right um, thirteen twelve was also on there, which every conservative who doesn't know what thirteen twelve means. Right. I mean, that's I didn't we I start didn't. all of our come on. We start all of our meetings with, hey, hail thirteen twelve. What is thirteen? Thirteen twelve. All cops are uh, the B word. I'm not sure. I think I know what B word, but so many words have been banned when somebody says the B word. <laughs> well, we wouldn't really. want to de- designate the gender of the police officer. Exactly that would right. Be, could that would be not be either our, one of right. those. It could, could be. be either one of those. So uh, we right. don't know. But 1312, that was the tip off to me that it was definitely, definitely right wing churchgoers. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, welcome to the. Uh, oh, by the way, um, Antifa also. Um, the pro-abort men of Antifa uh, were um, putting out hits on uh, pregnancy centers in Portland also this, uh, this weekend. They bashed windows and put FCPCs, which, again, come on, we all know what that means. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. This is from the uh, audio podcast, The Agent. The year was 1988, and Jack Barsky had been in the United States 
for over 10 years. Like anyone living in the hustle and bustle of New York City, the sight of the skyline, peppered with so many tall buildings, never got old. He had made this city a home, a home he knew better than most native New Yorkers, having explored nearly every street by foot or by bicycle. He loved his job as a software developer at MetLife. He adored his coworkers, and he finally felt like he was fitting in. He was meant to be here. He lived in a modest apartment with his wife and young daughter, and they considered looking for a bigger place now that there were three in the family. Even though his days were long and his commute to and from Manhattan made it even longer, he rushed back home every night to see his little princess one last time before she went to bed. Jack Barsky was living the American dream. But this dream was about to take a sudden and unexpected turn. ...has taken refuge there. The news watch never stops. It's 42 degrees in clear in New York, going down to 29 degrees in Midtown. I would probably wake up typically about... Uh seven, uh, have a bowl of cereal and get on my way. I lived in Queens. I had about a 12-minute walk to the subway. This was in December. It was still dark at that time. I'm not a morning person, so I'm just like walking, sort of in a daze. I went along a path that I had communicated to the center. They needed to know this because there was a spot on that path where they were able to put signals. So every morning when I get to a supporting post for the elevated A train, I would just take a look and nothing ever was there. But on this cold December morning, Jack noticed something different as he approached the subway station. This is really odd. I get a little closer and there was this red dot, the fist-sized red dot. That screamed at me. What it was saying is danger. Get out of here. Immediately. Don't go back home. Don't go to work. Retrieve your reserve documents. I had a a set of uh, Canadian documents that I had uh, hidden in in a park someplace. And make a beeline to the Canadian border where eventually uh, you get further instructions and that's how we get you out of here. That's all I knew danger, do this. This was part of the plan. Jack had received a signal. A code read. The red dot was a signal from the center, the home of KGB headquarters back in Moscow, and was part of an elaborate system of graphic signals used for communication. In the 10 years he had spent in America, Jack had regular secret communication with other Russian agents, agents he never actually met in person. But until today, Jack had never received the danger signal. This is uh, from the podcast, The Agent, and Jack Barsky is with us now. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> good morning, and thank you. I feel honored to be uh, called, called a friend of uh, your the Glenn Beck program. Oh. Can I can I have that in writing? I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> It'll probably get you in more trouble with the FBI and others. I think at this point, Jack. Um, but uh, uh, but thank you so much. You're a, you're an amazing man who lives an amazing life. And had we talked in the '80s, I wouldn't have said that. Um, but you have turned into a great friend of the United States. 
uh and um and i think what you know i'm not going to i'm not i'm not going to reveal anything that is in the uh, the agent um i just wanted to talk to you jack because uh, something is happening here with this ukraine situation and i feel like everybody's pushing for war and uh i'm 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 not so excited about that because uh this seems like this could quickly uh become a, a nightmare of uh, world war proportions uh, you you are so right and uh i <clears throat> and you know, we we had to we have to expect that russia makes a lot of noise you know this is what what putin does and you know they threaten but what's happening in the United States and in other Western countries, we have a bunch of armchair warriors who are playing politics uh, with a situation that could easily uh, be, uh, be accelerated in, into what you just called World War III. Uh, the first time I cringed when, uh, when uh, our president called uh, Putin a war criminal. Did that move the needle one way or the other? I said, just shut up. Don't talk, act, because that, you know, that going back and forth can, could easily, you know, Putin just might get triggered by that. He is, he is, he is not uh, very amenable to being criticized, and that's, uh, uh, that's a fact. It's a proven historic fact. Um, Jack, tell me, because I've gone back and forth in my head, other than them being incredibly different people, um, Ronald Reagan called Russia a, uh, you know, an evil empire and called for the destruction of it. And I know reading history that the Kremlin, uh, I think it was um, uh, and drop off really was quite a paranoid guy and thought for sure that that uh, the United States under Reagan would, you know, launch missiles in a first strike. What's the difference between then and now? Well, first of all, uh, and you, you're right about Andropov and, and his paranoia. He, he thought, and and I I was aware of that. Uh, he uh, he started an opera called the Operation Ryan, where every everybody, uh, every KGB agent who operated in the West had to look out for signs of war. Uh, but there was <laughs> in those days, there, the Soviet Union was already weakened. Uh, to, uh, and uh, and there was more fear than you know active aggression. Mm. The, the Soviet rulers did not want to go to war, and I, th- I think uh, Vladimir Putin, Putin is, is is very aggressive, and he's he's and he's maneuvered himself into this p- uh, position. He can't. He's on a one way street with, with no side street to to, to duck into. Yeah, um, and the do you think he's in his speech that he gave? where he talked about a new Russia being born. Uh, was that misinformation or, or is this, uh, do you think he really believes that? Oh, no, uh, he has uh, not made, made a secret of that. You know, he, right. he uh, a couple of years ago, I think he wrote an essay, a lengthy essay uh, about what he wants to do and he wants to restore Russia's greatness, not the Soviet Union, mind, no, mind you, Russia's greatness. And, you know, he, this, is, this is his, his life, okay? This is him. He is Russia. And uh, and he has, you know, he's he's convinced himself that uh, 
some greater power. I think he pretends to be a believer now. He does pretend to be a believer. I don't know if he does believe in God, but uh, he thinks uh, he's been appointed to do just that. That's a little frightening. Um, so, <laughs> so what what are we doing that we... I mean, we came out for the first time, Jack, that I know of and confirmed that we sunk the Russian flagship in the Black Sea um, and that we confirmed that we are giving them uh, all kinds of targeting information to target their generals. We are just beating our chest in a very terrifying way. Well, I don't know who we is. There's some some leaker, right? And, yeah. And then then the media uh, printed it. Uh, the uh, the Pentagon and uh, and uh, Biden have denied that. Now we do we do admit that we provide intelligence, uh, uh, but you know to say that we contributed to the destruction uh, make make this uh, statement uh, that we have proof. Uh, that's an exaggeration. My God, this country is uh, is populated by leakers, and everywhere everywhere you go, where, the, where you're supposed to keep things secret, it leaks out. Mm. So, what do you see happening here, Jack? As you're sitting watching all of this stuff unfold, somebody who grew up under that system, you probably know geopolitics, at least um, from a historic sense, probably better than okay. most. So you, you understand uh, what's going on here. You you need to uh, put yourself into the shoes of uh, Vladimir Putin, his leadership, and the Russian people in general. And uh, uh, Putin looks at this conflict as a conflict between himself and the West, not just Ukraine. He uh, he isn't just saying it; he he believes it. Because this this kind of thinking is is rooted in in, in Russian history. Uh, they, the the Russian people and the and the Russian leaders have always been paranoid for a good reason. Ever since uh, the, uh, the Russia was founded, it has it has been attacked from all sides, from the north, east, west, south. Uh, it was the Mongols. It, it was the Turks. Uh, it was the the Vikings. It was Napoleon, and it was Hitler. So uh, there's a there's a there's a paranoia uh, gene in in the Russian DNA, and and Putin believes that that uh, you know the the West is coming after him. And this only gets worse uh, as we shut down all of the financing and pull all of our people uh, out. And when I say our people, pull all of our. <clears throat> all of our financial systems and any of our businesses out of Russia that has to speak volumes. It does, but I don't think it is as powerful as, uh, as Americans like to believe because Putin, he, he, we know that he's not stupid. He expected that. And when, when you look at what, what's happening right now, the ruble has stabilized. Mm -hmm. uh, Putin still is, uh, is uh, he, he, he I think in the last two months, he got more oil and gas revenue than in the five months before. Uh, the, you know, and, and he has allies. I mean, right now, China is allied with him. And, and uh, India is uh, at best neutral. Right. So, so he is not, you know, the, 
this is this is like uh, uh, his his economy is uh, is like a set of gears that will have some to deal with some sand. But I don't think we can bring him down to his knees. So, Jack, do you feel we are close to war? Well, you're obviously closer to war than we were right. just a few months ago, right? Uh, are we close to nuclear war? Um, <laughs> you know, it's part partially wishful thinking, but partially also uh, there's some there's some reality behind that. Uh, my, my believing that we're not that close. I mean, Good. Putin in his speech in his speech uh, did not threaten nuclear. Uh, you know, uh, exploding some some nuclear missiles. He he was. It was like status quo. Let's go mm-hmm. keep on going. You mm-hmm. know, and I believe this uh, this conflict is going to drag on for a long time. Well, and it's better and what, than the alternative. You bet. But uh, th- there's a there's a secondary war here, and the, the secondary war is economic. All right, uh, because you know, Western Europe is is I think in great danger. We, as the United States, economically are not as much in danger because we we have all the natural resources. Western Europe, if they can, they're, they're so dependent on, on with regard to their energy uh, that uh, they if that war drags out uh, for a long time, they will be severely weakened. Well, we're not doing anything with our energy. And I, I tell you, Jack, oh, yeah. I, I look at this and I think if I were a you know former Soviet spy and still could think like the other side, uh, I'd be thrilled with what America was doing right now. We, we are dismantling ourselves. You know, we yes. have gas prices going through the roof. We haven't even hit the summer. Uh, you know, we could be at five dollars a gallon uh, for the summer and maybe seven or eight dollars for trucks, which will just cripple the nation. I just want to make one statement, uh, which is not necessarily political, because, you know, there's one thing about, you know, talking about the ideology that uh, uh, runs rampant in, 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 in the Democrat Party. But we are currently led by a bunch of people who don't know to, how to get things done. They don't know how to execute. And, you know, we're shooting ourselves in the foot. And, this, this, and you know, this, you know that the, uh, um, uh, the energy policy is driven by ideology, and that's global warming. Mm-hmm. It's almost okay. a religion. Oh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. With uh, Greta uh, being the patron saint. You know, you lived in East Germany. How old were you when you left East Germany? Uh, when I left East Germany, I was 26 because I uh, went uh, first to Moscow to uh, improve my English. And, and when I left, Mo- when I came to the United States, I was 29. So you're 29 years old. You were recruited by the KGB. You were mm-hmm. you were trained um, in all of these things. And you, being from East Germany, I would assume, you know, you were very well aware of the spying that they did and the uh, manipulation of, of people that they did. Did you notice that? Did you know that when you joined the KGB that they were? Or were no. is this patriotic kind of our side versus their side? I, I was not, 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 I was a patriot, but I also was a revolutionary. I was uh, going mm. to contribute to, uh, you know, build the paradise the workers paradise on earth and and i was 
ideologically 100% behind uh, the Soviet Union, East Germany, KGB, the Stasi, uh, simply because of ignorance. You know, okay. uh, this, this, this is what happens in a, in a, in a state where, uh, where all communication is, is regulated and it's owned by the state. So, uh, we, never, we never got the truth. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Your personal inflation rate coming up in uh, just a second. I want to uh, share with you from uh, National Review and Jim Garrity. There is a there is a great story on the food facility fires. I've been asked about this uh, over and over again, and we looked into it, and it's there's just it doesn't seem to be out of the normal. Believe it or not. Now there are some some things that well, for instance. Uh, National Review writes, in a typical year, how many plane crashes do we have into food processing plants? What's your guess? How many planes crash into a food processing plant? I mean, you say seven a week. Yeah. 300. No, none. Yeah, none. Okay, mm-hmm. zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bad year, maybe one. One. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so far this year, we've had two. That's. Okay, that's. that's May. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Not so any. you would think, hmm. There's something wrong. But two, I mean, it's really unlikely, but okay. Okay. Maybe. Okay. All right. So let's let's look at everything that's been happening. A plane crashed into an Idaho potato and food processing plant, killing the pilot. Police say uh, uh, Gem Straight Processing in uh, Hayburn, East Idaho, at about 835 in the morning on Wednesday. The pilot was the only person in the plane and died during the crash. Police said none of the employees at the processing plant were injured. Okay, so it had to be a kamikaze food plant guy, okay, Mm -hmm, okay. because he flew the plane into the plant. Mm -hmm. Then, just a couple of weeks later, Covington, uh, Georgia, firefighters responded to a plane crash that killed two people Thursday at the General Mills food processing plant. The small plane crashed apparently after taking off from a runway at the Covington Municipal Airport. Six tractor trailers were damaged as a result of the crash. Both occupants of the plane died. However, local officials were grateful the plane did not strike the plant building, which could have resulted in greater loss of life. So, if you want to go for the plane crash idea, yeah, two plane crashes in or near food processing plants is weird. Mm -hmm. It is weird. Um, But, well, let me go on. February 5th, massive, these are the headlines, massive fire swept through Wisconsin River Meats on Thursday, destroying part of the facility. Then February 22nd, the Shears Food Plant in Hermiston, Oregon, caught fire after a propane boiler exploded. March 17th, a structure fire at the Walmart Distribution Center in Plainville, Indiana, broke out about noon on Wednesday. A thousand employees were inside, but none were injured. One firefighter suffered minor injuries. March 22nd, a fire broke out at a Nestle Hot Pockets plant in George uh, in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, it happened on March 16th. 
The facility was still closed as of March 21st. March 25th, officials believe a deep frying machine is behind the fire that destroyed a potato processing facility in Belfast. April 13th, firefighters from several departments in, on, in Maine helped battle a massive fire that destroyed a butcher shop and meat market in Center Conway, New Hampshire. And April 30th, soybean processing tank caught fire at the Purdue Farms plant in Chesapeake, Virginia. Okay. I mean, that's a lot, right? That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's how we have looked at it, and this is exactly the way Jim Garrity has looked at it. Not all the fires or crashes did significant damage. In the Chesapeake soybean facility fire, the plant manager said the fire had little to no impact on their operations. In the Georgia crash, the plane didn't hit the building, no employees were harmed, and General Mills spokesperson said the plant didn't experience any disruption and remains fully operational. Uh, the pilot in that crash, by the way, was identified as a student pilot, and the other person was the flight instructor. So... I mean, unless it was some sort of anti-food processing plant flight instructor that took that plane down and missed the plant, uh, that's probably not one to count. Second, none of the fires so far have been declared cases of arson. This is really important because I, you know, I went looking at these and I thought to myself, I don't know, that seems like a lot. Um, but when we really started looking, none of them have been deemed arson. Um, the um, uh, and that's from coast to coast. If any of them had been deemed arson, if two of them, I would have been like, well, let's look into this. Um, in any given year, there are half a million fires reported to local fire departments. About fifty three hundred of them are manufacturing or processing facilities. That comes to about 440 per month. And if there are fires in 440 manufacturing or processing facilities a month from coast to coast, wouldn't we expect at least a handful of these to be at food processing facilities? Hmm. In fact, the list uh, above stretches the definition of food processing facilities because the Walmart distribution center also stored clothes and cardboard and the New Hampshire fire happened at a local butcher shop. Third, if you were a terrorist or a foreign agent or somebody in the deep state a choke, uh, attempting to choke off the American food distribution network, would you start with a potato chip maker in Oregon or the source for Hot Pockets in Arkansas, then move on to a soybean processing tank in Virginia. If you were a nefarious terrorist group or hostile foreign power and had not, you know, not merely one suicide pilot, but two of them, as in the case of the Georgia crash, who, why were they there? Why not use that third person to bring down another plane? You wouldn't bring a passenger along. And would you really aim for a potato processing plant in southern Idaho than the Georgia plant where they make cinnamon toast crunch? Um, the U.S. had, as of 2017, the U.S. had 36,486 food and beverage processing establishments. What's most likely happening according to Jim Garrity, is the Bader-Meinhof phenomena. 
you may not know what the Bayer Meinhof Meinhof phenomena is, but you've experienced it. Have you ever gone to buy a car and then suddenly they're everywhere? Oh, yeah, for sure. That is Mm -hmm. that is that phenomena. It's a Mm. frequency illusion that when things start to happen and we are now looking at food shortages, we all know it. We also all know some things aren't being done by our government that are right. We also know uh, there are people that, you know, uh, like catastrophe and, uh, you know, swim in really calm waters of catastrophe as they look at it, never waste it. So we have these things percolating. And as you see one fire and then another, these are not out of the normal and they're not arson uh they're not terrorist strikes and they don't seem to be affecting big plants and that's what you would go after are the big plants that's really good news that's Uh, really good news. and that sort of thing happens to everybody i mean on the left it happens all the time Uh, one recent example was the australian fires remember how big of a deal this was was, everyone was on you know online they were running fundraisers and it was a big deal i'm not saying the australian fires a few years ago were not but Everyone was saying that, like, this is global warming and look how terrible this is and the environment and weather weirding and all of this. And at the end of the year, they there was less uh, less square mileage uh, burned in Australia than average that year. Less than average. Isn't that crazy? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, and and, and why big- is it happening to them? This is like when you're buying a new car, you're focused on that. Mm-hmm. When you're worried about global warming, you're focused on that. Mm-hmm. When you're worried about food shortages and you see things that you've not noticed before, it's because you weren't paying attention to it that way. How many times have we paid attention to a, a forest fire in Australia? Well, we paid attention that year because the people who are running the news are talking about forest fires. Yeah. And global warming. That is what happens. And you get down. the. And I think this happens all the time with global warming. Every time there's a moderately strange weather event that's slightly out of the ordinary. This is what it's blamed on every single time. And everyone's a meteorologist. And if you really want to know what's going to cause food shortages. It's Russia and Ukraine and our response to it. Mm-hmm. That's really what is going to cause the 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 most problems of getting food all around the world. What about China and the COVID shutdowns that they're still kind of going through? Massive. That's, that's big as well. Right? Have you seen, have you seen the uh, Shanghai ports, the, oh, yeah, the satellite yeah. photos from 2020 and then today? Incredible difference. It is. It's today. It's backed up like crazy. Basically. Oh, it's like yeah. you're looking at the, the stars in the sky. There are so many ships out there. We are headed for real, real trouble. You know, in the next, I don't even know, three to six, seven months when it comes to items not being available. Na, 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 na.